Hello, hello, it's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for the 5th of December 2019. You're probably wondering where the hell I've been. I've been watching movies. A lot of movies. It's time to hear about those movies and this month's installment of everything I watched. It's time to hear what I watched in November. Stay tuned. What's going on, everyone? It's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast again for the 5th of December 2019. You just heard a beautiful melody there from my friend uh, Ronan, who has supplied us there with the the new uh, podcast theme song. It's a wonderful piece of music, and I'm so happy to have it um, as a welcoming uh, part for this podcast. You probably heard there in the intro, it's been a while since I've been around, uh, but I've been watching a lot of movies, uh, quite a few. I've got some movies to talk about today, I've got some bloody TV shows to talk about, I've got a lot of recommendations to give you guys, and uh, I cannot wait, bursting at the seams, to uh, give those to you. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been a while, um, I know the last one I think was the Ford v Ferrari, I think, was was it not even that probably, it was probably something different, was it the whole October recap, holy shit, probably was. Um, November was a quite a busy month. I had my birthday in November as well. Um, had a wonderful day f- for that as well. I celebrated with family and friends, and then we had a huge party on Saturday nights. And uh, the the theme was uh, my favorite movie from the year, as everyone knows, Midsummer. And it was this podcast. You know that my favorite movie of the year is Midsummer. Still hasn't been dethroned, even though I've seen some fantastic films in in November, and it still hasn't been. Um, dethroned yet. I've seen Midsummer now eight times, and uh, we're still working on trying to get that podcast up and running. Um, I'm I'm actually trying to collaborate with someone to have more of a conversation for that podcast instead of me just talking to the microphone about how much I fucking love the movie. Uh, but I'm working with someone, working to get someone on. Um, also got to organise a lot of notes for it as well. Uh, but you know that that'll that'll come around. It definitely be be before the end of the year. So don't worry about that at all. So I figured for this podcast, um, instead of doing, I was actually going to do a bit of a roundup, of, uh, maybe not last week, I think it was two weeks ago, I was actually, actually going to do a bit of a roundup and just recommend a few films, but November has finished officially now, and um, we're in December. We are in the last month of the year, ladies and gentlemen. It, we're nearing Christmas, we're nearing New Year's, it's nearly all over. So... Because we have ended November, I have to do everything we watched. Everything I watched, sorry. Um, and there's quite a bit that I that I watched in um, November. So we're going to start off with the movies. Um, I'm going to go in order from my letterbox tier in my diary. And then I'll give you guys some TV show recommendations afterwards. Because I watched a few of those as well. And uh, there's quite a few that I want to, I want to shout from the rooftops. Um, one, specifically, that I want to talk about. So we're going to go from the beginning of November to the end of November. Um, some of these are great films. Some of these aren't great films. Um, <laughs> there are quite a few that just must have had a shitty night. But uh, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. So I started off the month by watching The Nanny Professor on Netflix. Uh, this is the, the Eddie Murphy film where he plays uh, Sherman Clump, I believe. I believe it's Sherman Clump. Uh... 
and uh, he is a, you know, he's, he's a very generous um, and very smart professor, but he's also, but, you know, he's, uh, let's just say he's a big boy. He's a, he's a, he's a big boy around campus. Um, and uh, he's doing this experiment. How do I say it best? He's trying to do this experiment on this, uh, this rat. I think, it's, I think it's a rat. And, uh, mind me, I watched it in other, you know, a while ago, at the beginning of November, so I'm just trying to remember what happened. He's trying to experiment with this rat, um, and he meets Jade Pickett-Smith, and, uh, he decides to do the experiment, and the rat is supposed to, it's supposed to turn the rat, um, uh, it's supposed to, to turn this rat down to a skinny size. And, uh, he decides to do the experiment, and one night he goes a bit crazy, and decides to do the experiment on himself, and turns himself into a, uh, a um, alter ego version of himself um, named Buddy Love, who is Eddie Murphy normally. Uh, this is Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. Eddie Murphy plays most of the family members here. Um, I thought the movie was fine. I watched it with a friend of mine who loves the movie and loves the kind of humor in it. And I guess I guess it's just not my kind of humor. Um, I didn't really rate it that much. I, I thought it was a nice, a good message. Um, it was, it, it felt genuine, but it also at the same time was pretty comical, and I don't know, it's just not really my type of humour, and uh, didn't really flow my way. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I get the I get the praise for it, but it just wasn't my thing. But we had, it sounds like we had a bit of an Eddie Murphy marathon, because straight after that, I watched Dolomite Is My Name. And fucking up, motherfuckers, is my game. Alright. Uh, Dolomite is my name. Is the new film from um, with Eddie Murphy. This this is his returning uh, feature. Um, I believe the the director Craig Brewer. Is he the same person that did Ed Wood? Because there's another one. Is he not Ed Wood? No. There's another. Maybe it's the uh, producer. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so it stars Eddie Wood. He plays Rudy Ray Moore, who is a a big um, pioneer of the blaxploitation era back in the 1970s when he created the movie called Dolomite, which was a self-produced and financed production because he just wanted to make a film. He was um, he was he was uh, he was working as a uh, stand-up comedian, but also kind of like as a rap artist as well. He released a lot of rap albums again by himself. And uh, no one wanted to. No one wanted to take his. I guess wanted to support him because of how crass he was and how rude he was. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of swearing in it, in his records and everything. His record covers were also very, um, very rude and graphic. So no one would support him. So he'd release those on his own, and then he wanted to be a movie star. No one wanted to make his movie, so he would make his own movie by, um, you know, borrowing a, a, a bit of money, self-financing himself, getting a few friends together. And making uh, the film Dolomite, which um, I have not seen the original Dolomite, but I was just keen to see this movie because I heard it was a great film. Uh, I heard Eddie Murphy's great in it, and I can just say that Eddie Murphy is fantastic in this movie. He is gives one of the best male performances of the year, in my opinion, and he's just so electric. He's so electric in this role. Um, I love the rhyming and the rapping in the beginning, especially in the beginning when he's starting out and he's doing his stand-up spots. Um, around town 
Um, and it's just a it's just a film that just goes. It just goes. As soon as you hit the stride where he starts doing his stand up and everything, it just flies. It goes from there. It goes to him building the you know making the Dolomite film of all his mates. Eddie Murphy just looks like he's having, having so much fun as Rudy Ray Moore. It's 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 a very very funny movie. It's strangely inspiring as well because you you know as a filmmaker myself, I was just watching it saying well. He's doing it, why can I do it? It's one of those attitudes. And uh, you know, they go through a lot of um, problems as well. And it does show that like, even if you have everything, you think you're ready, there's always going to be problems with making a film. Um, but I think the person that steals the whole show with this film is definitely Wesley Snipes. Um, he plays, uh, I, believe it's, I believe it's Martin... The only thing, the only bad thing about Letterboxd is it doesn't have the actual character name next to them, and I don't. Gotta fix that. Um, Derville Martin. He was a star in a lot of other films, and then they they wanted him to. They thought he, when they approached him at the bar, they thought he was going to be. Um, he thought they they wanted him to act in it, but then they said, "What about you can direct it as well?" And he was, you know, known to be a a pretty. Um, uh, what was it? Antagonistic, annoying. He was he was pretty. He was he was very unprofessional on set. And uh, Wesley Snipes just plays that role. Just I don't know. I don't know where this came from, but he just plays it so perfectly. He's just a just a goof the whole time, and he's just he's just he. But he's, at the same time, he just like steals every single scene he's in. And then you've got you know Eddie Murphy along on the side next to him as well. I have to recommend this one a lot. Um, it's out on Netflix if you want to watch right now. It's just an electrifying movie, and uh, it'll just it just flies. Eddie Murphy's fantastic. He commands the screen in this movie, and Leslie Snipes is a great great addition as well. You also got uh, you've got Mike Epps, you've got Keegan Michael Key, you have Craig Craig Robinson. Great cast, um, great film. One of the one of the best of the year, in my opinion. Um, check it out right now. It's on Netflix. Dolomite is my name. Next, I watched a panel about a falcon, which is a um, about a Down syndrome boy who is uh, escapes his carer's home, or his his uh, what, do you, what, what would you call it? Uh, care? Would you say? We wouldn't say retirement. That's, that's the old people. Would you say he's like his care center or something? I don't know what to fucking call it, but he has a he escapes the center. He has a carer, um, Dakota Johnson, Eleanor. He plays Eleanor, his carer, and uh, he escapes. He runs in front of the Shia LaBeouf, who's a fisherman slash kind of bad boy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, runs into Shia LaBeouf, who um, is trying to get down to Florida, and that's where he wants to go as well because he wants to meet his idol, who is a wrestler. Now, he wants to be... Uh, Zach wants to be a wrestler, and... Um, Charlotte, he, he wants Charlotte to take him there um, to help him fulfill his dream. Uh, this movie has got to be the sweetest film of 2019. The sweetest film. It's just gorgeous. Um, Shia LaBeouf is fantastic. To be honest, when he started going a little cuckoo, uh, when people started getting a little, like, hey, how you going? Uh, <laughs> like, what's going on here? Like, he's making... He's making art. He's doing all this. He, he did the uh, where he live streamed himself watching the movie back back a while ago. 
Um, I never, look, I never, look, I'll be honest, I didn't, I wasn't like, like, oh, I've supported him this whole way, but I was never like, oh, well, fuck that dude. Probably in the only, the Transformers movies where I was just like, okay, he's not really great. But he has really, I was, I was, I can gladly say that I've never slept on him. And, uh, he has come back with a vengeance this year. Um, Pinot Battle Falcon, um, I'm hearing great things about Honey Boy, which I need to see as well. But, but unfortunately that comes to Australia or on Amazon Prime where I can see it in January. So I can't, won't be able to watch it until then. But I'm very, very excited to, to see that, that film. I've heard it's, it's a fantastic movie. But let's talk about The Pinot Battle Falcon. Because I think Shia LaBeouf, he gives one of his best performances of, of his whole career. Um, to go to Johnson is also terrific. But Zach fucking Gotzigan is so endearing, so just, you, you just you just want to give him a huge, huge hug, and you just want, you want the best for him, as, as a newcomer to this role, he just, he's just such a delight, he, he just gives such a moving and hilarious performance, and he plays it so real and natural, it's just a it's a great debut for Zach Gotzkin. It's fan- it's fantastic, and and what happens in the film as well? It's filled with a great a message of you know determination, following your heart, and following your dreams, and and just not giving up. And uh, a great message about like also about friendship and you know the people who really care about you. Um, and and I like how it didn't treat him as anything. Uh, so uh, this is, I don't I don't want this I don't want this to come off so. Um, offensive or weird but it didn't treat his disability as something that is special um i, I don't want to yeah i hope i'm not coming off so rude about that but it didn't single him out and say like well this is you know he needs this because he is this in this way so he needs all this all this treatment and we need to focus on him and i just didn't I didn't, I didn't get that with this movie. I just felt like he was just a normal. He was just a. He was just a person. He was just a character in a, in a film, and he was just so sweet and 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 delightful. I, I loved it. I just loved it, and I just loved the mess. The messages of the film. It, it's just. It's just beautiful. Um, some people are calling it the Brisbane Bear of 2019. Brisbane Bear, you know, was also one of my favorite movies of 2017. I think it was my number four. I think. And I also thought it was a very sweet film about, you know, doing what you want and just just going out there and doing it, um, getting it done. And this movie, this movie, to be honest, just has the same has the same vibe to it. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, if you want to watch, if you want the biggest smile on your face when you watch when you when you finish watching this film. This is this is the one for you. It's 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 just it's just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Um, one of the best of the year. Uh, this would definitely be in my top ten at the moment. It has to be. It has to be in my top ten at the moment. It, it's just a gorgeous film, and if you can seek it out, definitely seek it out and watch it, because um, sometimes you want to get away from all the drama and you just you just want to watch a really really beautiful film. Filled with so much happiness and and joy, and um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the word. I've been trying to think of the word the whole fucking time, but I can't think of it. Just positivity, I guess. Just positivity. 
um, definitely seek out the peanut butter falcon. Okay, after that, oh jeez, after that I watched Official Secrets. Um, that is the film about Catherine Gunn. Uh, she found out about the, um, I think it was the CIA and the. Uh, this is what this is where you need to get IMDb up with um, with it because fucking the film does yeah you know, letterbox tries but it doesn't try enough <laughs> sorry letterbox um Catherine Gunn was a British whistleblower who you know she leaked information look I wasn't, I'm not going to say it was her fault but something happened um she was she found out about an illegal NSA spy operation and it was designed to push the UN to vote for a war in Iraq and that is how our war happened uh, because of this um, oh no, no sorry that's not because of this but they were going to push the the NSA were going to push a vote towards the UN to vote for a war with Iraq because oh, that was during the Bush era as well um, this takes place back in 2003 I believe yes and uh, this was such a really gripping and intriguing uh, political thriller. I haven't seen a good political thriller all year, and I finally watched this, and it's very, very engaging. Um, it does drag a few times, but one, the minute you get to where Catherine is, you know, going through her process of, like, trying to, you know, defend herself and everything and trying to get all the help she needs, because she's obviously getting targeted from the British government and everything, the CIA, every, everyone. It just, it, it goes and goes and it just doesn't stop. It doesn't stop being so engaging. doesn't seem stop being so thrilling. And Karen Knightley gives the best performance I've ever seen her give. Um, she is incredible in this movie. Um, you've also got a strong supporting cast, including Matt Smith, people won't know from Dr. Hugh, uh, Matthew Good, and Ralph, Ralph Fiennes as well. Ralph Fiennes, he was good in this movie. He was really good. It was different seeing Voldemort play a lawyer. <laughs> and uh, it was really... What, what, I, what I liked about this film is because I didn't know much about what happened with this. I did not know the story existed. I didn't know who this person was, who Catherine Gunn was. It taught me everything about who she was, what she believed in, her situation, her living situation, who she had a husband. I had no idea. I had a husband who was, um, who was foreign. And I, I didn't, I had no idea. And I love when a film like that teaches me a uh, a thing about a a certain subject or a certain situation. Um, it must have been harrowing what uh, Gunn went through when she when it, when when it, when it's uh, revealed that she has revealed releases this information and now everyone's after her. It must have been such a harrowing ordeal. But. Um, I, b I believe as as a person who doesn't really is not really for what she was actually f um, uh, what she, what, she, what she was against I wasn't wasn't for obviously it wouldn't be a for a fucking war obviously but um you know, I I, st I, st I stand with her, honestly. I stand with her decision, what she did. I mean, what she did was for the people, not for herself. And uh, it was extremely admirable, I think, what she did. Um, 
If you love political thrillers, definitely chuck this one on. It's a must-watch for anyone who isn't aware, also, of this important part of history. Um, it's a, and it's a great watch. It's just a gripping, thrilling watch. A good old classic political thriller. Who doesn't like those? But it's also about something extremely important that I think people should know about. Uh, then I checked out Dr. Sleep. Now this one, I was, this was one of the ones I was going to include in the, uh, the roundup, but now it's been included into the everything I watched in November. This is the thing I was going to include in the roundup, but yeah. So uh, this Dr. Sleep is the, uh, I wouldn't say, it's, it's, it's also, it's a sequel to The Shining, but also kind of not. It's also a separate story as well. Uh, but you are focusing on Danny Torrance, uh, who's now played by uh, Ewan McGregor, and um, I was—I haven't read the book, so I wouldn't—I wouldn't know what was going on. But when I heard that Mike Flanagan was on board to Helmet, I was definitely on board, especially after watching a bunch of stuff in Horror October and hearing about the things that he was—he would be helping on and, and be a part of in producing. I still haven't seen um, Haunting of Hill House, by the way. I—I I don't, I don't know if I get around to that. Too spooky for me, I think. Too spooky. Um, but I think he did a great job of pulling off a difficult task of adapting both a Stephen King novel, Doctor Sleep, the novel itself, and then appeasing fans of Kubrick's uh, version of The Shining. And I think he does it quite well. You've got great performances from Ewan McGregor, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, and... Kylie Curran, who's a bit of a newcomer, I haven't really heard before, but she plays um, uh, she plays the uh, I think it's Grace, I think I think it's Grace. I just I'm just bad with character names. I can never remember character names. And your letterbox, you just you just don't help, don't you? I've got to stop bitching about <laughs> letterbox. Abra, Abra. Why do they get what do they get Grace from? I think I watched Grace in a recent film. There's a, there's a person named Grace in a recent film, I think. Um, she also has the gift of the Shining, and when Dane discovers her, they've got to escape from this people called um, the uh, uh, what is it? The um, the True Knot. That's it. The True Knot. I was thinking of Rose the Hat because that's Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson leads these people called the True Knots, who is after the people who have the gift, and they want to eat their powers. Um, that's how they get their, um, that's how they keep their sustenance, I guess, by eating people's powers. Also, like, it's kind of like eating their souls. It's just saying that as well. Uh, but Rebecca Ferguson was really good as well as, uh, Rose the Hat. Loved her whole get-up, her whole outfits and performance was great. There's a really cool sequence when she's tracking Abra, um, which I thought was really, really cool. It was different. It was really, really cool. Uh, look, the movie on all technical levels is just fantastic, and Mike, Mike Flanagan helms it so beautifully. It's gorgeous to look at, it's got great cinematography, it's got great camera work. Um, so on all, te all technical levels, all technical levels, it's, 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 it's astonishing. But um, I just have a few issues with the third act of the movie, which takes place in the Overlook Hotel. Um, it was in the, if you haven't seen the trailer, it's, it's in the trailer. I won't tell you what happens, obviously, in the hotel, but the third act takes place in the Avalok Hotel, and that's where it starts to get a little okay for me. Like, oh, right, uh, okay. Uh, there's just a few issues. There are spoilers, so I can't talk about them, but there are just a few issues I have with that third act um, doing with certain characters being portrayed 
that's the best I can give you without being so spoilerish. And I didn't really like that. Uh, but it's not going to sway me from uh, recommending Doctor Sleep to you guys. Uh, if you're a fan of The Shining, definitely watch Doctor Sleep. If you've, even if you read the book, I mean, check it out. But I think if mostly if you're a fan of The Shining, check out Doctor Sleep because you're going to get a lot of Easter eggs and you're going to get a lot of references to the first movie. Um, it's, but the thing is, it's not too much. It's not bashed over your head. It's just the right amount, and I think Flanagan does it really, really well. One night, I uh, I chucked on two movies, which I thought wasn't going to be too bad, but I was I was housing a, a a house in Waratah, and I chucked on I think I was one on Stan. I chucked on Before I Fall and The Hurricane Heist, and um, both movies ended up being quite terrible. I mean, before I fall, it's just your, your, um, oh no, she, she's, she's gonna die again and she's gonna relive that day over again and find out what's going on and fix everything. It was kind of basic, straightforward, nothing new with the concept. Zoe Deutsch is fine. Yeah, I don't know, that's all I got. There's nothing, nothing new has been done. I thought there was way too much pop music. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 eh. You might. Other, you know, my, my sister won't enjoy it. <laughs> my sister won't enjoy it. Sorry, Hayley. Uh, then I watched The Hurricane Heist, which, for a movie called The Hurricane Heist, is incredibly fucking boring. Incredibly boring. Like, it's called The Hurricane Heist, for fuck's sake. But there is such a drag between the... Like the, the opening, and then you get to the middle of the second act. It drags in the second act, and then you get a you get a kind of a ex, I don't know. I wouldn't say I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say explosion filled finale because it's not. It's kind of just. It's. I think it, I think it's boring because it's, it's all just CGI and it's a big hurricane and sure like that could be exciting, but the characters suck dick. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't care. I just didn't care. <laughs> I just, I just, I just had no patience. I just didn't care. I was like, all right. I just wanted to see this. The, the most I wanted was to see some people get fucked up by a big hurricane, and that didn't even happen. You have to deal with all these really terrible character moments, and go get my brother, and all oh, that shit. I don't care about your fucking brother, dude. I just want to see you get ripped up by a hurricane. God damn. There's a really cool truck in it, though. I'll say that. It's a really cool truck. But we didn't get much of that either. And there's just gunfights and... I don't know. I, I just... I expected more from a movie called The Hurricane Heist. And, uh... Yeah. Didn't get much at all, really. But, luckily, that was all turned around when I saw Ford vs. Ferrari, which is now called Le Mans 66 in Australia and England. Um, I think America still calls it Ford v Ferrari, but in Australia and England, it's called Le Mans 66. I think it's still, is it called Le Mans 66 here? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's because they changed that because the Americans might have thought, well, this could be the actual event, Le Mans 66, which doesn't make any sense because we're in the movie 2009, during the movie, we're in the film, oh my god, <laughs> 
We're in the year 2019. Holy shit. Um, Ford versus Ferrari is directed by James Mangold and based on the two blokes. They get together, right? They get together. Listen to this. They get together. And they want to build a bloody... They want to build a bloody car that's going to beat Ferrari in the Le Mans 66 race. Now, Ferrari's won that race um, quite a few times. Now, Ford's getting a little embarrassed. What do they do? They call up Ken Miles, who's played by Christian Bale, and Carol Shelby, played by Matt Damon. And they're going to build themselves a little car. Just a little car. And they're going to drive that car in Le Mans 66 so they can beat Ferrari. How's that, how's that for a good old plot for a car movie? Joking all aside, um, Ford v Ferrari is one of the best films of the year, in my opinion. Uh, it's got some great racing sequences. The cinematography looks gorgeous. James Mangold handles it so beautifully, directs it so beautifully. You have great performances from Christian Bale. I mean, when, when's Christian Bale not given a good performance? Like, fuck me, man. He just... He just dissolves into his roles and becomes that character. Just incredible. Matt Damon's also really good too. Um, in terms of... I was talking to someone the other day in terms of Oscar race. I think that Bale could be put in for a lead. I think Ford v. Ferrari could actually go for best pitching on. Mm. Um, I don't know. It depends on what how the campaigning goes for it. But I think it really it could really get in there for Best Picture norm. I mean, it's a really, really great film. Great performances. Um, Tracy Letts is great as well as um, Henry Ford II. And uh, I, I thought it was a really cool... Just the, just those racing sequences, man. They're so fucking good. I mean, the best race movie to me is Rush. In my uh, like my favorite, my favorite racing movie. I'll, I'll, I'll reword that one. My favorite racing film is Rush. Um, but this this is the best one I've seen since Rush. Um, yeah, just white-knuckled racing sequences. The chemistry between Matt Damon and Christian Bale is, is very, very strong. And it leads to tell quite a special tale about friendship. Um, fatherhood, really, with Noah Jupe, who plays uh, Ken Miles' son. Determination from them both. And ambition to put Ford over the line and make Ford a part of history. Uh, there's a really, really great moment at the end, which I won't spoil, but I thought was really, really great. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what parts were factual and what parts were embellished for the film and what James Mangold wanted to do, but Ford v Ferrari, one of the best of the year. Check it out. I mean, if, if you're a racing fan, you'll love it. If you're not even a racing fan, you're still going to love it because it's just a, such a well-put-together production. And um, it's just a great movie. Uh, 20th of November. Well, we're wishing the 20th now, guys. 20th of November. I uh, checked out, finally checked out, um, Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, Punch Drunk Love because... Uncut Gems is coming real soon, and I've seen the Marriott stories because I want to just table up like what are the best Adam Sandler performances, and um, I wanted to table up. I wanted to see like which ones were you know his best ones, and I believe I remember watching him in Marriott stories, and I thought he was really really great in that movie, and I've heard that his best performance actually is in Punch Drunk Love from a lot of people, 
So I decided to finally check that out. And it was just not what I expected, but in a good way. Um, it's about uh, Barry, who is um, Adam Sandler. He's like socially awkward. He gets volatile. He gets um, angry at a lot of points. There's a lot of outbursts. But he's, he's extremely socially awkward. He can't talk to women. And uh, he owns a small business. And I believe it's toilet plungers. I think it's toilet plungers. Um, he collects pudding. He gets all these coupons because he wants to go on a trip. But he doesn't want to go on a trip because he's scared of that too. And uh, he gets threatened by uh, this prostitute on the phone. A sex caller. Um, and... I don't. I don't want to ruin. I don't want to spoil anything from there. It just. It just goes. It. It goes from there. He has to deal with that. He has to deal with a new person that wants to go out with him, but he's very, very scared of that because he's how socially awkward he is. He's very. Um, uh, he's very. Dysfunctional. He has a very dysfunctional family. He has a lot of sisters. He doesn't get along with them well. And I just thought the character that Adam Sandler portrayed was just such an interesting character. And Adam Sandler plays him really, really well. I, I, I thought he was fantastic in this movie. Uh, also, I think Paul Thomas Anderson does great work as well. There's a really, really cool shot um, after a accident. I won't say what it is, but it's an accident that happens. It's a, night, it's a shot on a, um, on a car door as it comes in, as, it, as, it, as he closes the car door, and then you see... I mean, it goes from, uh, I'm trying to think, it starts from the car door, goes in, and it goes into a uh, two-shot of them both, of him and his, um, another, another character, and I thought that particular shot was my favorite shot in the film. Uh, there's also a really great sequence towards the end, which I really liked as well. And the music, the score, the sound design, it's so chaotic, and there is so much going on, and it really gives you a great uh, representation of what's going on inside Barry's head. And the score is such a really, it's such an odd score, man. It's such a really odd score, and, and I think it works really well to its favor, because it's so alien to us, but it, and, and so chaotic and, and, and messy, and it's all just going off at the same time, and, and you're so lost inside his head even makes you get lost in the, in the in this film because people are talking over each other there's 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 things going on and then you're just like what's what is happening but i think it does a really really great job of putting you in his mental space and that's thanks to paul thomas anderson he he's he he's he made a great he, he's made a great film with this one and um i couldn't recommend punch drunk love more um i think it's a good it's a great character study. I'll say that. I wouldn't say it's a great love story, but it's a great love story. It's a great character study of a character who is dealing with a lot of things in his life, but doesn't know quite know how to deal with them in the way that he would like. Um, and Adam Sandler just gives one of his best performances of his whole career. And I haven't seen Uncut Gems yet, but right now I think this is my favorite Adam Sandler performance, um, right next to Marowitz. But uh, I'm cut gems, baby. January. We're getting to January in Australia. January. Oh, I don't know if I can wait that long. Oh, man. A24. What are you doing? What are you doing to be A24? 
I gotta wait for the 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 the, uh, the lighthouse in February as well. Um. Oh man, I don't know if I can. It's too long, A24. It's too long. Um, I decided to extend. <laughs> I was already keep going again. I decided to extend the uh, the PTA marathon with the master. Um, now I still don't have. I still don't have any thoughts on this, um, so I'm still thinking about it. Um, and it's about a, a man named Freddie Quill, played by Joaquin Phoenix, who is comes back from the Navy, and is immediately recruited by. Well, he joins this um, this. Uh, what's I would say group. I'd say group. Not really. It's it's kind of like a cult. I'm trying to think what the. Uh, what the group is called, though, it's the cause. That's it. He joins the cause, who's led, who's led by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays Lancaster Dodd, who is the leader of the cause, and because he wants to, I guess he just wants to find out like who he who he really is. And Lancaster Dodd, I mean, uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's Lancaster Dodd helps him discover who he really is and and who he can be, who he can become. He can become a much better person than who he is right now. Um. And uh, yeah, this movie, I just, I don't, I just don't have. I, I, I just thought it was brilliant. That's all I can say. I just, I just thought it was brilliant. Um. I thought it was a great writing. I thought the performance was fantastic. Joaquin Phoenix is amazing in this movie. So is Philip Seymour Hoffman. There is a fantastic, fantastic, you know. I cannot stress enough. Fantastic scene that takes place on the ship in a stark room. It's I call it the interview scene. Um, I think it's called the processing scene, but I call it the interview scene. And it is two great performances, and you just you just you can't breathe during that scene. You just can't breathe. And oh, it's it's gorgeously shot. Um, the score is 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 fantastic. Uh, it, it's one of my, yeah, I have to say, it, it, it's one of my favorite, if not probably my favorite, PTA film. I just, I'm just trying to, I'm still trying to marinate on what I, what I got from that film, but I just thought everything was just brilliant, and I was just left with, in, in such awe of what I just watched. Um, so I'm sorry, I can't give too much details, I just, I'm just lost for... You know, I lost, lost for opinion, lost for words, but I'm trying to come up with something. Um, I'm trying to think of something. I've heard a lot of opinions and a lot of perspectives from a lot of different people. And right now I just can't form my own because I was just, I just need to understand it better. Maybe, maybe a rewatch will do, but I need to understand it better. But all I can say is watch the film. Um, it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant film. All right, the big day arrived on the 21st of November. Uh, a friend of mine and I went to Sydney. Now, we were actually there to talk about our next film I'm going to talk about, this one. But we decided to knock out um, a certain other film because it was playing in Sydney, not playing in Newcastle at all, but it's coming on Netflix on Friday, December 6th. We watched Marriage Story. And 
Man, where, where do I start with Marriage Story? Um, it's written and directed by Noel Bombeck, who has given us uh, the, you know, the Marriage Stories, uh, Francis Ha, When We Were Young. And, you know, you, you've probably seen those films and, and seen that his writing is very, it feels very realistic, it feels very natural, that's the way he writes. You have, a, you have, you have real characters, or real people, almost on screen. You feel for all of the characters, and that's exactly what we got the Myrich story. I thought the writing that film was just, it's just so good. I, I really, really love the writing in, in that film. And you're also getting great performances around Sandler, Ben Stiller, Dustin Hoffman. Great performances. But this is easily, in my opinion, his best film. Uh, he absolutely knocks it out of the park with Marriage Story. Um, it is absolutely heartbreaking. It is gut-wrenching. And a such a realistic portrayal of not only a relationship breaking up, but a divorce in process. Because whereas you get... Because you could you could compare this film to um, Blue Valentine, which is one of my favorite films of all time, um, which is about a relationship that is breaking, that is ending, that is that you can tell that people are not right for each other, and is about the end of that and divorce that comes along with that. But not only does this this film focuses on focus on the end of a relationship and the the. Uh, what is what would you call it the, the dissolution? Um, it's just you have to find such beautiful words to describe this this film. Um, let's just say that just dissolution of a marriage. It just it also focuses on the divorce, but in such a realistic way. You see how the divorce is is seen from both sides, and not only how that can you know they they try to play it normal at a um. At the, uh, you know, they try to play it normal at first and they try to be nice about it, but then people get involved, lawyers get involved, and then it starts to get a little messy. Um, you have Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson play this couple, and they are having a divorce. They have, they've, they've had their time um, because of reasons, and uh, they are getting a divorce, but they want to. The thing is, but they want to stay friends and stay friendly with each other because they don't want to, um, you know, end up hurting their son, who is obviously going to be affected heavily by this divorce. Um, I just, uh, this, uh, <laughs> I just can't, I just can't, I cannot. Um, it's a very, very sad film. Um... It's a very real film, and the performances, again, I have to reiterate that these performances just come off as so natural. They never came off as actors acting. They just came off as people being people, and I just love the way that Noel Bombach respects his characters and respects both of their sides and perspectives and displays them in such a way that you really feel for both of these people. You're not picking a side. You're not picking Adam Driver's side. You're not picking Scarlett Johansson's side. You're seeing the, the their both reasons from both sides, and it's it's not telling you to say we well, should pick that person because that person is wrong. It's like the same with Valentine. We never sided with Cindy. We never sided with Dean. 
uh, well, at least I did. I um, as soon as you saw that, I mean, especially after the first watchable Valentine, that I was like, oh, well, Cindy, you know, well, Dean's being, you know, very disrespectful. But then you find out that you know that Cindy has a lot of self-destructive qualities as well. That is enough to you know break up what they have, and then you find out what the, the, that's they were never right for each other anyway because they've both got things that you know combat each other qualities that combat each other but with that film being such a dour and depressing film um <laughs> this movie is still still has hope and in the end uh, um it's still it's still re- it, it still retains um i won't spoil what happens in the end but it still just retains a a notion of hope there's no it's 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 not just completely just like well this is the end they're never gonna you know this is not gonna yeah I I don't want to talk anymore because I think I'll just spoil it again because I just fucking love this movie um it is fucking incredible uh Noah Bombach is amazing um I, I I can't find any more words honestly I can't find any more words to describe how fucking incredible and a uh, beautiful and intimate and amazing this film is. Um, when this comes out on Netflix on Friday, I implore you to set aside a uh, to set aside the time required to watch this film, um, which I will get up right now. I believe it's just over two hours because it didn't feel like two hours. Yeah, two hours and sixteen minutes. Set aside that amount of time. Sit on your lounge. You get a box of tissues. And watch this film because this is one of the best films of the year. Adam Driver gives the best male performance, in my opinion, of the year, and I think he should be nominated. And I think he'll win Best Actor at the Oscars because he is just fucking incredible. And so is Scarlett Johansson. She easily delivers her best performance of her whole career. Easily. And she's had some really good performances, but she's the last few years, the last maybe decade, probably people thinking, well, she's not really that much of an actor. She's not really much of an actor. But Scarlett Johansson has, we're going to see with this next film as well. She has had such a great 2019. And she just ends it with such an effective bang with Marriage Story. Holy fuck, people. Um... Yeah, I, I, I can't say anything more. You have to watch this film. Just watch, watch it. Just watch it and form your own opinion. Because you're gonna, I, I, I can't speak anymore. <laughs> I just can't. I cannot speak anymore. This film has taken Parasite's place as my second favorite movie of the year. And Parasite is the best. I think it is the best movie of the year, in terms of structure and in terms of, you know, how you experience a film. But. Man, this 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 movie just hit me, man. It just it just hit me, and it it just it drowned me, in its in its whole. Oh man, I can't even. I I can't even find more words. I can't. I can't. I can't describe it. Watch it. Watch Marriage Story. Watch Marriage Story. Okay, now that I want to collect my words and get back together, uh, we're going to talk about. What we actually went did, did go to Sydney for was to see uh, Jojo Rabbit. Now, 
probably thinking, Carl, what the fuck? The movie doesn't come out in Australia till December uh, 26th, Boxing Day. Well, I was lucky enough to get a... a um, to be invited to a... a uh, the first Australia screening of Jojo Rabbit at the Jewish International Film Festival in Sydney. So I was extremely lucky for that. Very grateful for getting that. Um... This movie is again. It's it's. Uh, we'll get to it. Actually, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I think Marriage Story has taken all of my all of my emotions. Um, it's about a young boy who is. It's in World. Takes place in World War Two. This young German boy who is obviously a a uh, you know a follower of Hitler wants to aspire to be Hitler. Um, he finds a uh, a Jewish woman, Jewish girl, in his um attic who's played by thomas and mckenzie and um finds out that she has actually been sheltered by his uh mother who is again played beautifully by scarlett johansson she's having such a great year i love how just there's a lot of dark moments in this movie but i just loved how uplifting this movie was as well um i'm just gonna shut this door for a second Um, how uplifting this movie was as well. Um, I thought Roman Griffin Davis was fantastic. Um, as a, as a, I don't think I've seen him before, but he was really, really good as Jojo. Um, again, it was great to see Thomas and McKenzie again. She was so good and Leave No Trace. It was so good to see her again. Um, another film I need to check out, Leave No Trace with Ben Foster, um, directed by Deborah Granick. That is a, that's a little recommendation. I'm just going to check out there. Quick, quick one right now. Um, a great film. Um, but the standouts for me were Taika Waititi as Hitler. Because Taika Waititi does play Hitler. He's an imaginary friend. Um, so he's not actually Hitler in physical form. Like, and not, not everyone can see him. He's only in uh, Jojo's mind. It's like his imaginary friend. And uh, you've also got Sam Rockwell. You have uh, Stephen Merchant, Robert Wilson, Alfie Allen. A great cast of people just playing over-the-top ridiculous characters, and uh, you know what I mean in terms of the Nazis. And then you've got Scarlett Johansson saying, playing like the most. Just I've never seen Scarlett Johansson play a role like this. It was so, it's so great to see her have such fun with this role as uh, JoJo's mother, who is um, who is the person that is. Uh, sheltering the Jewish girl up in the attic. Um, she was just it looked like she was having so much fun with the role. She's she's just so playful. It's such a playful performance. And um, she was just she was just she was so good. And this movie is just so good. Albeit there is a lot of uh, dark moments that Chaka Teddy does put in there. There's a lot of dark moments. There's a lot of and it's like they were darkly comedic as well. Some some were darkly comedic, but there are some really dark moments. But it's very, very funny. It's one of the funniest movies of the year. And uh, Taika Waititi as, as Hitler just, is just... I, I don't, it's, it's something I didn't know I needed. Um, so when this comes out on Boxing Day, definitely seek this one out. I think you've got a few coming out on Boxing Day. You've got this, Jumanji, and... 
something else. I recommend you. The first one you see is this movie. Jojo Rabbit is one of the best of the year. Uh, and then I uh, on the train home, I actually started watching Zootopia again, and then I finished it the next day. And uh, it's easily my second favorite Disney um, animated film below Inside Out. That's what I thought. But then I found out that Inside Out's Pixar and Zootopia is just Disney. So now I've got to change that fucking ranking now. So I'm pissed off about <laughs> I'm pissed off about that. But um, I remember watching this back in 2016 and really, really loving it. Really loving its its um, subtext and underlying messages. And it being such a smart film, but also being a really good film for kids as well because of all the animals and all the things they can do and all the creative things they come up with all for the animals. But um, and I watched it again, and I was just like, "Yeah, this is this is still fucking great. This is still fucking great. I love it. I love Zootopia, um, but I, I I don't like the Shakira stuff." Um, I just, I guess, I just don't like the end of dance, end of movie dance sequences. It's just not my thing. Um, yeah, not my thing. But Zootopia is fantastic. I fuck, it's a great fucking movie. Great, great Disney movie. Uh, then on the twenty second of November, I went to see a preview screening of because I was actually going to go see this on my birthday on the twenty eighth. But I went to see a preview screening of Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Um, this was actually on my, was this on my top 10 or on, on, I think it was my top 10. It was my 10th most anticipated movie of the year. And, uh, I came out, it's time for a hot take. I normally, I don't normally have the hot takes. I'm normally pretty general on the board, but I have some hot takes and this is one of them. Um, I found this movie quite disappointing. Um... I thought the performances were great. You have some great characters. My favorite was Anna de Armas. Um, I, I know everyone's talking about Daniel Craig. I had no problem with him, his accent and everything. But the people I went I went with had, had a big problem with his accent. They were not on board with that accent. Um, but my favorite was definitely Anna de Armas. I thought she was fantastic. Um, I guess I just... It was as a mystery. I know people are saying like... I don't know. I know people are saying like it's a. They're calling it reinventing the genre, or he does something. I don't. I, I guess I just didn't see that because I just wasn't. I thought it was quite. It was not really that funny. Um, it was very predictable in my opinion, and it's it's. I will give it. I'll give it. I'll give it. It's con, of pros first. Great performances, over the top characters. Um, great production design. I think the house looked beautiful. But in terms of the script, it, it just it lies with the screenplay. Um, the problems with the screenplay, I think, it was quite predictable. Um, it wasn't really. It felt kind of slow at times. Um, I was actually like, I was actually like wondering like when it's going to end because I thought its pace really really suffered. And um, yeah, I guess I just need to watch this one again. I I did not. I didn't like this movie as much as everyone else. I think I would probably give it two and a half stars, honestly, if I if I could. Out of out of five, but everyone's given it four and a half, five. I just yeah, I guess I'm just the outlier. I just guess I'm just the outlier. I thought I was just. I have just quite disappointed from the film. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, there's not much I can say about spoiling it, so. 
Um, I'll just say that it just wasn't my cup of tea. And I thought it really was. I really love murder mysteries, and it was not my cup of tea. Uh, then I watched Britney Wants a Marathon. I, um, I don't know, I, before that I watched My Hero Academia, Two Heroes. Now, recently, I've, I've been watching some anime, and that a lot of that anime has been My Hero Academia. I've watched, I'm on to date on it now, I'm on to season four on the latest episode. And then I hadn't seen the film, so I checked on the film and watched the Two Heroes film, and holy shit, it's incredible. Um, the animation is so fucking beautiful and gorgeous, and then we meet some new characters who we really care about. I think the half star is that like I didn't really care for them at first, but then you get near the end and then you start to care about them a bit more. So I wish we just had more of that attachment. Um, but oh man, like the final fight scene is. There you go. There's the word. It's 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 crazy. It's just crazy. Um. Ultra. Go beyond plus ultra. Fucking my hero. Let's do it. Woo. Love it. Uh, then I watched yeah, Britney runs a marathon, and that uh, came out on Amazon Prime. Um, I played at Sundance earlier this year, but it came in and was on Prime. And uh, it's got Gillian Bell, who we know from Workaholics. And, uh, yeah, we know her from Workaholics. And she normally plays the comedic roles in films, and they're not really that funny. I remember her playing her role in 22 Jump Street, where her whole joke the whole time was just like, oh, you're old, oh, you're old, okay, you're old. I was like, all right, you've done this like 50,000 times, can we do something new? And uh, then she played that character in uh, Rough Night, I think it was. Uh, and she was also quite annoying in that. And I was like, okay, are they going to give her something good soon? Because she's really funny in Workaholics. And then they, she plays a really good dramatic role here in Britney Runs a Marathon. Um, she's, she's definitely the best part of the film. Um, but I just wish her character was just a bit more likable. Yeah, I just wish she was just a bit more... Just a bit more likable because she's just kind of a cunt throughout the whole movie. And uh, I know it takes, it's about that journey to realize that, that she is that. And then, um, but it just takes quite a while. I think it should have happened a bit earlier where she had, had that realization. But then again, the movie only goes for like 90 minutes. So I don't, I don't know what the wrong, what was wrong there. Probably the, was it the pacing? Was it the, where you put certain things? But I thought it was I thought it was a good movie, inspiring. Um, doesn't really make me want to want to run that New York marathon, but got me up and ready to go to the gym. So I guess that was good. Um, it's good to have that motivation every now and then. But um, yeah, I thought it was good. Fucking mosquito. And then on uh, November twenty seventh, I finally watched. The Irishman, because it finally arrived on Netflix, and this is definitely um, this is this is a this is a long movie. This is a long movie. Um, it's about Frank Sheeran, who gets um, hired by the mob, who's uh, Russell Buffalino, who plays by he's played brilliantly by Joey Pesci, and then they um, tangle with Jimmy Hoffa, who's played a great. Just to great extreme by Al Pacino, and uh, it's really about 
this story of this Irishman. <laughs> because it, it is called the Irishman. <laughs> oh man, it's getting it's getting late. Uh, it's about a man who it's really a a a, a, uh, a tale of his whole life, a chronicle of his whole life, and that is why I think the movie it does really go for three and a half hours. I think it does it, it is worth its runtime because Martin Scorsese definitely delivers his most mature picture. I don't, it sounds weird saying that, but he really gives you time to meditate on his characters, especially Frank Sheeran, played by Robert De Niro. Um, Joe Pesci is so good in this movie as well. Al Pacino is probably my favorite part of the movie. Robert De Niro, because the thing with Robert De Niro is, I want to talk about him for a second, because the thing with Robert De Niro is that he does give great performances, but he's also, he's always the one that's the showy one. He's always the one that's like, oh fuck, he's Robert De Niro. He's going to fucking give a great, he's going to do some great shit. But in this movie, he's so surprisingly held back in his performance. And I loved it. I loved how restrained he was as Frank. And he, who like he'll give him, I'll give a look. He might, he might respond in a certain way, but it won't be so in your face. He, it's like he knows the character knows his place, but the character also has a lot of things that there's a lot of nuances and there's a lot of complexities to his character. Um, he has a very rough relationship with his daughter. Um, his eldest daughter, Peggy, who's later played by Anna Paquin. And I want to get to what happens with her later on. But um, I thought this movie was really, really, really great. Um, worth the runtime of three and a half hours. I don't know if I'll be watching it again for a while, but I do want to watch it again. Um, I think it has the best, one of the best final shots of the year. Um, three great powerhouse performances, three legends on the screen, just so good seeing them soak up the screen and just giving it their all. Um, there's a really fantastic sequence towards the end, which is just full of so much tension and suspense, and it's executed so well. And it's just Scorsese, man. He just fucking, he just, he just does it. He just fucking knocks it out of the park. Um... Yeah, I, I really, really like this movie. I really like this movie. This is a really, really good movie. You've got a great supporting cast as well. Um, and they just give it... Everyone just gives it their all. Everyone just gives a great performance. But I want to talk about one actor who people are talking about towards the end. And people are... They're talking about how her, her part towards the end, it gets a bit all... She's not given enough screen time, but here, here's a little, uh, I don't know, serve back. I, just, I don't know words to them. I think that she was given the appropriate amount of screen time because you still want to see what the relationship with his daughter is still like during the end. And I, I liked that it went that that choice was made. I won't, because I won't spoil it. That I liked how that choice was made. And I liked that choice. And I liked the screen time that she got. And I thought it was executed really, really well. And gave even more context to how broken he is towards the end of the movie. Because not, a, not a, like, you know, 
he talks about getting old and just trying to retain everything that he he has he uh, has. Um, I'm just trying to think of a word for it. He's trying to retain the man that he is, but there are certain parts that are going to be broken. And I really, really liked how the movie uh, made that decision during the end. What they did there, what what um, Scorsese decided to do there, or Steve Zazalian, the screenwriter, decided to do. I thought that was really, really good. And I think Anna Paquin gave the performance that she was required, I don't know, required to give, I guess. Like, she did well with the material that she was given. I think she gave the the, the right amount. Um, because there's a lot of people out there saying like that's not needed, blah blah blah. But I thought that was the right amount, and um, I was very, I was happy with how that ended. Um, but if you love if you love Scorsese, um, if you love gangster flicks, give it a go, give it a watch. Um, it is a very very long film, but I think it's well 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 worth it. I think you should watch it in one sitting, as the three and a half hours. You should watch it in one sitting. But there is a guide. I believe someone's online created a guide that you can watch it as a four-part miniseries. And I, I've heard from people that, that that does work. But if you love, you know, if you love film like myself, if you if you love Scorsese, if you love these type of movies, and you want to experience this full story. All in one sitting. I, I I highly recommend that you do that because Scorsese has made something quite special with the Irishman, and um, you have great three great screen legends giving the best performances that they can definitely give. And uh, Steve Zalian's screenplay it, it's just it's 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 amazing, and it's just, it's just it's, it's it's come out so well. I had I had little I had a lot of I've, a few doubts, but the Irishman just really, really, really surpassed my expectations, and it's one of the best films of the year. Um, right, I won't talk about um, that this that, that movie there because I've already watched that one. I can talk about it before, but the last thing I want to talk about, I watched this on my birthday. Um, Frozen 2. Now, I watched this on... I went to see this with a, uh, my good friend of mine who who, also, who I also live with. <laughs> and uh, we both really liked the first Frozen and we're pretty keen for Frozen 2. Um, what I'll say is, um, I liked the story better with Frozen 2. Uh, the songs... I think the songs might be just a tad better at fr- with Frozen. Uh, but I really like the, fr- the songs here too. I thought... Look, this could be another hot take, but I think Into the Unknown is better than Let It Go. Um, there's a really great song by uh, that Elsa sings during the beginning, and then you hear it during the the end? I think it's the end. Uh, called Into the Unknown, and it's a great song. There's a great chorus. It's really, really pumpy. It's a, I don't know what the word to use there for is, but it's it's it just gets you going, and you're like, fuck yeah. I guess that was me in the theatre. Um, I think uh, Elsa and Anna, Elsa and Anna's uh, relationship was good in this right in this movie as well. I think it was better in this film than the first one. Um, 
Kristoff is just a character I wish I did care about. I mean, that's probably my only gripe with this movie. Um, as well as Olaf, I just, I'm just, I just not really a fan of Olaf. I guess I find him quite annoying. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't so annoying in this film as he was in the first one. Um, and he wasn't so. I don't know. I like how they gave, they made him a bit more serious in this movie. I didn't have too much of a problem with him, but I don't like his song, and I don't like, I don't know. I just, I just don't like him as a character. I, I could really do without him, honestly. But he's, I, I'm, I'm not too bothered that he's there. Um, my, my, I guess my only gripe with the movie is that Kristoff is really given nothing to do in Frozen 2. And his character is just very two, very one-dimensional. And I wish that... I just wish he had more of a character. And I know that like Disney is playing... Especially, they give him a song in this movie that is, is a, definitely a parody of like different 80s music videos and everything. It's called Lost in the Woods. And it's a really good song. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's fucking hilarious. I laughed my ass off when it was on. But... He, he's just not really a character that you really care about. He's really not giving anything to do. He's he's constantly trying to propose to Anna during Frozen 2. And that's literally what he tries to do. He meets up with a... Uh, another character. Which again, I won't spoil. He meets up with another character. Who... You know, gives him something to do, I guess. And nothing... But nothing really substantial. And it's just not... I don't know. I just, I just don't really care about Kristoff. I feel like I should care about Kristoff because he's made of, he's part of the main crew. But I just didn't. I just don't care. And he's, he's just, he's just, he's just giving nothing. He's just given nothing to do in the Frozen, the Frozen series. He's just given nothing to do. And he, he disappears for the majority of the film. And then he just comes back. And you're like, what the fuck was he doing this whole time? So. Yeah, I guess that's my only huge gripe of Frozen 2 is just Kristoff as a character and Kristoff's story and his... I, I, I don't know, I can barely say characteristics because he's not really anything. Uh, but I love I loved the songs. I love the story better than the first one. And... Um, the visuals, man. The visuals are incredible. The visuals are incredible. They looked beautiful. Some even look like really magical and mystical as well. I, I got some really, like, it was like acid trip vibes. Really, really nice visuals to look at. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a decent to good Disney sequel. I won't say it's great, but it's a decent to good Disney sequel. Uh, but I had a lot of fun with it. In terms of like you know criti criti yeah, criticizing and, and finding all the graphs with it, it's a decent to good. But I had a lot of fun with it. I'd probably watch it again. Um, I'd like it. I think I like it better than the first one to be honest. But uh, that's just me. I know there's a lot of people who'd have a lot of issues with it. That's just me. I I I liked the I liked the film. Um, that that's about it. I've been talking for way too long. You're probably getting quite bored. Probably thinking when the fuck's this fucking shit's gonna fucking shut up about movies uh well you're in luck because it's it's over <laughs> it has come to an end that is everything i watched in november um i just want to give a quick shout out to a few tv shows that i watched as well i won't get in detail about them but 
Jack, uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. I watched season one of. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, John Krasinski is really, really great in that show. Um, really cool to see him in a dramatic role. And the action sequences are really cool as well. And it's a very thrilling TV show as well. Uh, so that's Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. I'm already on season two. I'm starting season two. And uh, Fleabag. Fleabag had its second season this year. And I finally decided to watch it this year. And it's incredible. It is phenomenal. Like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a genius. What the fuck? Like, that's all i got to say. She is a genius. She is a fucking genius. And I really hope she doesn't make a season three, because I loved how season two left off. I loved how she left season two. And, I don't know, if she wants to make a season three, sure, she might have a really great idea for it, but I loved how she left season two. And I've, I'd really, really be really cool if you know, that was it. That was That's it. Two seasons... You, you, can, you can finish that in like two and a half hours, people. It is one of the best shows I've ever seen. It is so fucking good. Uh, I couldn't recommend Fleabag enough. And that's it. That's all That's all I want to recommend to you guys. Uh, just those movies, those TV shows. Um, I'm going to stop talking now, but thank you so much for tuning in and listening uh, for just over an hour. Um, about movies and recommendations and everything and my thoughts and my droning on voice. But um, I'm hopefully going to be in next time with the... Uh, we might do the Midsummer podcast because um, I'm not really sure what's coming out this week or what I'm going to be watching this week. But uh, I'll, I'll, de- I'll let you know. I'll, uh, I'll definitely let you know. But until then, guys, um, stay safe, stay happy. Um... Don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything stupid. And uh, keep watching films. If you have any films you want to recommend to me, uh, definitely uh, recommend them to me. I got some questions from last time that I was going to answer, but I just don't have time to answer now because I think it's way too late. Um, but I'll put up another Q&A and I'll definitely answer those other questions. To answer one of them, um, what's the most overrated movie of the year? To me, it's Knives Out. Um, I know, sounds crazy, but it is to me. So, uh, yeah, until the next podcast, which might be midsummer, might be something else. Still don't know. I'm trying to work life out. <laughs> um, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys then. Have a good one.